This is a Sydney EO production. Welcome to 40, episode 47 of the Sydney EO Business Podcast. I'm Brendan Tarazzi, the host of the show, and today I'm with Angelica Nora from Star Beverages. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm well. How are you? Very good. Very nice to see you on Skype, and I understand for the first time, or, or one of the yes, first times. Yes, I'm, I'm not a Skyper. Yeah, I know. It's um, I do miss being face-to-face with people, that's for sure, though. Yeah, but you don't get blurry yeah. backgrounds with... Um, face-to-face, and we're, that's what we've learned no, this morning, haven't we? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I've well, on Zoom, you can actually make your own background too, but that doesn't work on my computer. So, yep. you know, this is cool. I'm liking it. And so you were saying just before we hopped on the call that you started Star Beverages back in with your family in 2009. Tell us a little bit about why and how. Yeah, it's actually, um, it goes back a little bit before that in terms of um, I was singing and acting in the US. So my when I left school, I really wanted to pursue a music career. So I uh, started singing around the age of 15. Uh, by 2006, I was, I was kind of picked up by a manager, I guess, and we went straight to LA and I spent uh, like three and a half to four years going back and forward to LA, finishing school, um, doing all that because I was really wanting to pursue this this career in music. While I was over there, obviously, the people I was hanging around with were much older than me. Uh, being in the US, everyone was drinking. I, I wasn't able to do it at that time. But I noticed that everyone was re- like really getting into this Prosecco thing, like Prosecco and Pinot Grigio. I remember like cheekily having a tiny sip of Moscato when, when I was going through, um, you know, different dinners and stuff. And I was like, I don't know what this is, but it's just it's a, such a trend Um, come 2009, when I decided, look, I don't have the passion enough, or I think there was a massive self-esteem issue and I just had to come home. I had to be home. I needed to be around my family. I wasn't happy with how my direction was going. I wasn't happy with my manager. So I came home and, um, unfortunately pursuing that kind of career really took a toll financially on my family. Um, and I was like, okay, I've got to try and help. You know, you get this burden I feel of, you know, I need to help and fix this. It was my fault. So um, my parents were also doing a like a flavoured malt beverage at the time. So we already had a liquor licence. And I said, look, mum, I don't know what it is and I don't know anything about wine, but everyone in America is drinking Prosecco. Like, why don't we go and find Prosecco? And she's like, what is it? I'm like, I don't know. Everyone's drinking it. As the universe would have it, um, my mum's business partner for another business uh, had, a, had a cousin who was already importing, like working for an importer, and he said, look, there's this um, Italian wine brand that's looking for better in, uh, better representation in Australia. Um, do you guys want to have a look or do you guys want to meet him? And I was like, okay, whatever. And the first thing I said to him was, do you do Prosecco? He's like, absolutely, but, you know, we're Tuscan producers, but, you know, we can do Prosecco. So I was like, okay, let's import Prosecco. He's like, hang on, hang on. We can't just do Prosecco, you know, you know like what about Pinot Grigio? What about Sangiovese? I said, okay. We thought, you know what, let's import a container. Um, if we don't uh, if we don't sell it, we'll drink it, you know, <laughs> and it just started like that. Literally, yeah, wow. like that's how we thought. My parents, ironically, my parents don't drink. Yeah. So it's me and my grandmother on that one. Okay. Um, but, yeah, so we imported the container and our first three clients were Chambers Cellars, Navara Group Function Centres and Dalton House. Wow. So within three weeks that container was sold and then 
we go next to another container and another container and so that's how that's how we started with the Italian wine and we and we stuck with Italian wine for um, gosh it was probably four or five years yeah. of just one brand so we really were the importers of Sensi um, we got it into Coles it's now the biggest pro- biggest selling prosecco on the market right now um, yeah so that's kind of how it all started because I mean it's in, funny because when, when I think of prosecco I just think gosh there's so many great proseccos out there that don't cost too much money so is it hard to make money on 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 a on a line like that or was back in 2009 was it quite exotic still and it was a i don't know a cheaper version of the champagne or yeah we were definitely making more money back then um we were one of the smaller players there was no prosecco in australia yet Mm. you know when we said we were going to start importing italian wine people were like you guys are insane like we have so much wine in australia why Mm. would anyone drink italian wine i was like we'll try it you know as i said we'll drink it um and we were we you know we used to be able to make a lot more margin when there was less competition in the market Mm. uh but, you know, I think what people forget about with wine in Australia as well is say a bottle of Prosecco is $10 on a shelf, right? Remember that $4 of that goes back to the government. So 10% GST, 29% wine equalisation tax. So I always have to ask the question, if you're buying a bottle of wine at $10, who is getting, who isn't getting paid in that, yeah. in that um, supply chain, you know? Yeah. I'm all about ethical grapes. So our Prosecco isn't the cheapest on the market, but I know that the people picking the grapes are getting paid. The bottle makers are getting paid. There is no slavery in my supply chain. You know, that's really important for me. So I like, I know there is cheaper in the market, mm. but and like, we're just not going to play that game. I'd rather yeah. know where my product's so, coming so, from. You know? So what, what do you think is, you know, what's a good price point these days for a good bottle of Prosecco? I think stick to 20 bucks. Yeah. Like if you can get, you know, 17 to 20, that is a good bottle of Prosecco. The minute you go up to, you know, there's different styles of Prosecco. So Val de Biardinet, you're looking at about 35 to $40. Um, but yeah, just play with it. But yeah, mm. I don't, I don't like, you know, $10 Prosecco. That, that scares me when yeah. I see pricing like that. Yeah. 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 Well, that would mean that the, you would think the wine producer is getting maybe a couple of bucks a bottle or something. Not even. Not even. Like wow. Not even. Not yeah. even, you know. I, I know you can probably import Prosecco from Italy and it would land here for under $2. And to me, that's a concern. Like someone's <laughs> not getting paid in that supply chain. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I'm very conscious of the fact that we aren't the cheapest in the market mm. um, in all of our brands. So not only do we do Italian now, we're doing French and Argentinian and Chilean. And we stuck to the, I guess, philosophy within as the company of one brand from one country that dominates its niche and it's great value for money. So yeah. I might not have the cheapest Malbec, but it's a perfect expression of Malbec and it's yeah. at a great price point and there's no slavery in the supply chain. It's, um, yeah, that's really important to us. So, so back in, back to those starting days, that must have been incredibly exciting. Like, you know, it's almost like Christmas and you open the container and all your stuff's there and it's selling. And yeah. I mean, how, how were you feeling in those first... I don't know, that first 12 months where they, you know, three weeks to sell out a container and then on to the next yeah. one. Tell me about that. Um, every, you know, still to this day, every time a container comes in, I get giddy. Yeah. I get excited and I don't know why. It's just I love progress and mm. every time a container comes in, it's progress. And we got to a point where there was a container coming in every week of Italian wine and it was just awesome. Like it just felt like, wow, look at us, look what we're achieving. Mm. Um, but I do remember... Uh, that this 
innate fear. And I think it's after like coming back from the music industry and you never had an opinion. You were never good enough. You were never smart enough. You were never tall enough. You were never, never enough. And mm. I always had a lot of fear around sales. Right. And even though we were excited, I remember, and still to this day, I still have that little bit in, in me where I go, oh my God, how am I going to sell this? Yeah. You know, and you look at like this $50,000 just sitting there or, you know, at any one time we have almost half a million dollars worth of stock just sitting in the warehouse and you just look at it and think, oh God, how am I going to sell that? Um, you know, luckily we had a business partner at the time because I wasn't, I wasn't the one who was on the road making sales, like no chance. Um, I actually started an online business cause I was so scared of making sales. So I thought, Oh, let's just jump online and do this thing that no one else is doing. Uh, so we started direct wine sellers and tried to push that obviously had no idea what we were doing, like absolutely yeah. no idea. Um, but yeah, that was my way of like trying to sell with, with that while I had fear, like, I was like, Oh, just, I just won't sell to, to anyone. I'll just go online and people will buy from us, you know, but gosh, we all know that that's not exactly how online sales works. Just, just as a side point, like I, when I think of Italian wine, I think of that, um, bottle shop over in Leichhardt. Is it Amaro's or? Amato's. Amato's. Yeah. Amato's. Yeah, one of my okay. biggest clients. Yeah. Um, hmm. how long have they been going for? I, th- I would have thought they'd been around for forever and a day. 42 years. Yeah, right. 42 years. They were one of the original discount uh, bottle shops in in Sydney, actually. Okay. But they yeah. they weren't, they were just Italians running a bottle shop as opposed to yeah. a, a bottle shop specialising in Italian wines. They were Italians running a bottle shop. Um, definitely there was a focus on Italian wine. But remember back then in the old days, I mean, you're drinking a lot of Rosemounts and Penfolds and all yeah. that kind of stuff, Lindemans. That's all they really had. So it was yeah. like big bulk discounted casks and yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, Where a, a company like that did well was they bought land, right? So mm. they had, um, I'm not sure if you know about that Penfold spot out near Minchinbury, but they used to like grow grapes and stuff out there. Mm-hmm. They, they, they were smart Italians. They came to Australia, they bought land, they built businesses around that land and yeah, they were just really smart. But yeah, oh, okay. he's one of my biggest clients now, and um, yeah, he's he's amazing. They're they're still one of the cheapest in Australia. You know, a Dan Murphy's opened across from them, and and I kind of looked and go, if people realise that he's cheaper than Dan Murphy's, yeah, um, they won't go to Dan's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, he's a great client. He t- he t- he took me three years to get in with him because he just was like, I don't want any more Italian wine. <laughs> wow. But, um, yeah, eventually he caught. Yeah, eventually caught on to the quality of what we had, so it was good. And then, so um, you were saying you, you you're referring to we. What's the what's you know? Tell tell us about the progress. How the business grew from those first containers, um, like yep. I don't know, the first three to five years. What happened? Yeah. So um, obviously started with my fam with the family. I had to actually learn a lot about wine. Like even when we first got into it, we didn't know about wine equalization tax for instance. So we were pricing things, forgetting that we had to pay the government um, 29% of everything. Um, So we started, uh, I started with my husband. He was a pharmacist. Uh, He was, I remember the day he graduated was the day that we uh, started the online store uh, back in October, 2009 as well. Uh, So first few years was basically just that. I, again, scared of sales. I continually tried to do something else. I was, you know, doing a political degree at the time and um, we just kept, you know, just kept building with the family as much as we could. Uh, 2013, I joined a, a thing called The Entourage, and that's kind of when I believe my business really started. Uh, 2013, I learned how to do sales properly. I lost that bit of fear. I went out and won business awards. I, I you know, started picking up groups of uh 
group groups of bottle shops. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's when I really believe our business started. Also when we rebranded. And also when we realized that we weren't going to be able to scale as one brand, I wasn't going to be able to get into restaurants, for instance, and bars with, with one brand. Yeah. So we made a conscious decision to become a, uh, like to really look at the business, to systemize it. Um, we, like I started, I think 2014 outsourcing to the Philippines. So I stopped or 2015 it was, um, I stopped doing all the invoicing myself. I stopped working late nights, doing consignments and all that stuff. But, yeah. you know, yeah. I started looking, I goes, is this, is this worth more than $5 an hour? Because if it is, like, is my time worth more than that? Because if it is, I need to get someone else to do this. So I started outsourcing. My business is stupidly systemized. Like every, every little process is um, documented with a video and, and a, and um, a sheet, um, like a little thing that tells you the steps. And, and do you think that, um, that do you think that's your sort of thinking, or do you think, like, for people that don't know the entourage, like my, um, I guess my take on it is that it's more sort of hands-on skills on, um, like it, it's a it's a training program on how to run business. Would would that be how to run a business? Yeah. yeah, and yeah, that's how that is. But one thing I picked up from it was, um, you know, people work in a business for 40 years just to shut it down and <laughs> to learn that it's literally so like to learn that you can sell a business and what you sell are processes and you sell systems. That's what you mm. sell. I thought, oh, my God, like this is genius. So we went to work systemizing the just systemizing the hell out of our business. Like yeah. there is not one process that is missing. And if there is a mistake, if the Filipinos, for instance, make a mistake, we go back to that system and go, what went wrong? Because they're so literal in the way that they do mm. a process. So, mm. um, so, so yeah, so that was really good. And then we, yeah, we decided what kind of company we wanted to be. And we said, okay, one brand from one country that dominates its niche. So we started looking at the trends, Malbec, um, French wines, uh, champagne. I started, I started importing champagne simply because I love champagne and I was spending way too much money every week on champagne. <laughs> so I thought, why not go and import our own? Yeah. So we found Champagne Abelais, third oldest champagne house. Every brand that we have has a story that you can go and share with your family and friends when you, when you open a bottle. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of how it's grown. Uh, yeah. Over the years. And, you know, we got up to about 11 staff. Now we've only got about five um, most of them are internet most of them are off- offshore mm. we, you know we have a couple of people pick packing we have a marketing guy here uh yeah so it's you know expanded like we scaled and then i've brought it back down to have less pressure i guess so so that um that team the distributed team does that it sounds like you've been able to create a good lifestyle around that you yeah know, you, know, I, you, know, I you don't you know you're not you don't do you have an office in 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 Sydney, or you just you just work remotely? We did. We did. Um, two years ago, we we literally got rid of the office. Um, you know, my sales staff were on the road anyway. They didn't need an office to go to. Mm. Um, yeah, I just I basically got rid of most of the team. We, we just had a yeah. I guess we in a couple of years ago we had a moment uh, where we kind of looked around the room and realized that we needed to start again. Mm. The the team that we had developed or built. They, I guess, you know, I know we say the fish stinks from the head. It's a very Italian kind of thing to say, not that I am Italian, but we had created a culture of entitlement and it needed to restart. Mm. So we got rid of the whole team. Uh, it took, because it did cost us a lot of money having a sales team, uh, I spent another year basically working on sales by myself, just catching up. 
basically. I had to catch up and then so this year we could start growing again. And then ironically, when I want to start growing again, COVID-19 <laughs> happens and we have to stop. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it, it was a massive decision. Um, one day we literally walked into the office. We we're having our all-hands-on meeting and we made everyone redundant in one day it cost wow. us a fortune yeah I yeah bet. it was that it was and it wasn't something we had discussed scott and i my husband at the time um we hadn't discussed doing it it was like we just both of us were sitting around that room listening to everyone talk and we kind of looked at each other he nodded at me i nodded at him he stood up and just said thank you all for your service but this is your last day at star beverages and got rid of everyone <laughs> and started again oh, wow so yeah, it was an expensive operation. I don't recommend it. Um, yeah. Luckily, I had um, a couple of people still on probation, but yeah, yeah it was a very expensive operation. So, so this is sure. the thing that I, I seem to, um, like I know a few people that have been in the wine business and also in bottle shops, and it's the margins seem to be incredibly thin, like, yeah. you know, with all the taxes. and So does that, does that mean it's a volume game or it has, you know, you have to sell a lot to... To make it all work, we are in the volume. Yeah, we have chosen to go into that volume market. Yeah. Um, again, our products are still not the cheapest. Yeah, nah, and yeah. we're not the cheapest, but we are in volume. We, I play on. Um, you know, I sell containers. I don't sell boxes, yeah. and that's why the online starts becoming a pain for me because every individual box that goes out just <laughs> to me it costs money. Yeah. I want pallets going out. Yeah. So um, I really built up my relationships with you know big bottle shop groups here in Sydney and in. Um, across Australia, Perth being a really good market for me as well. Um, yeah, it is definitely a volume game. My margins are disgusting. My, I mean, you're lucky to end up with 15% at the end, 12% sometimes. Um, <laughs> hence, the need to, also, hence the need to go offshore to have a, a, to cheap, get staff, yeah. to a cheaper, cheaper cost base of staff. 100%. And then remember, I'm playing in the currency market. So, you know, as soon as for instance, recently when the currencies just dropped, like they got destroyed, yeah. I lost 20% of my margin straight yeah, wow. away. So I'm already playing in a tiny margin space. Then you've got the issue of cash flow. So I am a negatively cash flow business. I live on overdraft. Um, that costs money as well. Mm. So, yeah, like I'm constantly playing this game of playing with the currencies, playing with margins, playing with cash flow. Mm. Um, and that's very stressful for me. That's sort of stuff that I I wasn't good at. Uh, luckily, I went to Wharton thanks to EO and I get it. I understood it more. I, I get inventory control now. Uh, I'm turning stock faster. I'm understanding like how to put products together. So if someone wants this Prosecco at this price, yeah, mm. sure, no problem, but you have to take this product as well for this price mm. so that I can make my margin on that bigger, that more expensive product yeah. so I can make 50 to 100% on some products yeah. while I'm giving away those 10% margins as well. Yeah. So learning a lot about that, like it's always a journey in this and then the more competition that comes in, you know, you're getting, you know, there's only so much shelf space in a bottle shop. Uh, you know, there's more and more home brands coming into these liquor, like liquor groups. Mm. So, you know, it's, it's squeezing us out. Like it, it is truly squeezing us out. It's all about relationships and brand awareness now for us. Like we just keep building on that. So, so obviously at the moment it, it would appear that bottle shops would be your real focus. They're going through a bit of a boom at the moment with everyone in lockdown. So, um, Well, how- right now definitely. Um, but restaurants are where your turnover is. So right. bars and restaurants, you know, you can get weekly orders from bars and restaurants, bottle shops once a month right. if you're lucky. Yeah. Um, so 
I love restaurants. So mm. when we have groups, you know, like Ryan's Bar in the city, there's seven venues. Um, you've got, you know, you knew Sven from um, EO. He was in EO. Yeah. Now he's moved to YPO. He's got yeah. six venues. If he can get in there, it's great. Like they're high turnover high turnover kind of places yeah but then what you're also competing with are the big boys like Ricard, your Moet Hennessy's those guys who walk into a restaurant or a restaurant chain and say hey we're going to pay you fifty thousand dollars for every for every um line that you put on you know you know use our Sav Blanc we'll pay you eight thousand dollars for the listing yeah as a small company I can't pay eight thousand dollars for a listing you know like that's just absurd yeah so that's with. That's why our focus is on bottle shops most of the time because yeah. I can't compete on that um, yeah. on that space. So, yeah, like Verve Clico goes in and buys a kitchen for someone. Like, I can't yeah, do that. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And what about yeah, – um, There's a lot of that in this industry. I was reading um, – is it Vino Mofo? Mm-hmm. Um, I was reading about them. They're a big the... client for me. Oh, right, okay. I was, re- I was reading about them in the paper the other day and I think they said, you know, turnover was – Let's call it fifty million, net profit two hundred thousand. I'm like, are you bloody kidding me? Like that is just so high risk. Like, I don't get that. Hundred percent. I actually read that myself. Uh, look, I'm sure it's two hundred after directors have taken their little whatever. You would certainly hope so. One hundred and ten yeah. staff. Yeah. Yeah. One hundred and ten staff. You know, one hundred and ten staff. When you're making thirty percent online. Really? Like that's, it, it just seems like a lot. But again, they're great clients for me. Um, I respect Justin as an entrepreneur. He's, he's amazing, like a really good human being as well. So, um, yeah, like who knows, hey? You, yeah. can, you don't know really what's going on. <laughs> yeah. But I, I said the same thing. I looked at it. I was like, whoa, 200000 profit. That's just a waste of time. You know? like the, and, and just the error of margin for it to go the wrong way, it's you know, Australia so, Post loses a box or you break a bottle yeah. or, you know, there's a lot of. Yeah, absolutely. So it's definitely um, definitely a oversaturated industry, yeah. and there's only so much. So much they can like we're doing quite well right now because yeah. I play in that you know ten or ten to fifteen OUC mark landed unit mark, which is like up to twenty dollars on a shelf kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So we're doing quite well. So we have everything from fifteen to M. That's what people are drinking right now. They're not drinking sixty and seventy dollar bottles of wine while they're in lockdown. Mm. So we've, you know, we've done really well. Like our online stores up, um, our sales have gone up, which is almost mm. annoying because mm. I wanted to get the money out of the government, but that's <laughs> not going to happen. That's actually an interesting point. I wonder whether people are going down to the $20 bottles because they're drinking at home and they don't really care what they look like. Like they taste fine they don't. and they're not, they're not trying to impress anyone. Do you think there's an element of mm-hmm. that people buy for... 100%. Yeah. Oh, dude. people drink because they're bored. They're drinking because they're bored and there's a novelty. It is slowing down now because um, I think the novelty's over. Like everyone realises, oh, hang on, we are stuck here. Yeah. Um, so drinking every day isn't as fun as it was. Let's get back into our morning routines. Let's get back into healthy eating. Um, yeah, so I think the novelty definitely has worn off. I've definitely gone the other way where I haven't touched a drop in over a month now because I just thought... Wow! Just being at home with the kids, drinking, waking, having to wake up the next day—it's like it's just not appealing. I need need to be. It's not worth have, it. Have all my faculties on, so. Well, absolutely, especially when you've got kids and you're homeschooling them and everything. Yeah. Um, you know, for me, I've found 
you know, I'm still getting up at five, five thirty in the morning. I'm still doing my journaling. I'm still doing my morning routine. Um, I'm trying to get to bed early. I'm trying to keep as much normalcy mm. in my life as I can right now. Cause I live on my own as well. And it is like, I can go, like, I'm pretty sure I can go stir crazy you know, yeah. <laughs> if yeah. I didn't, if I didn't keep my routine. So, uh, yeah, I think a lot of people, uh, doing that. And I think it's better for all our mental health um, yeah. to be trying to keep as much routine as we can. So yeah, yeah. keeping fit and not drinking too much. And, yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, look, we'll, uh, we'll wrap up the interview now. I've got five quick questions to ask you before we go. Sure. Uh, may I ask how old you are? I'm 32, and just turned 32. And what what do you like to do to keep fit? Uh, I'm, I'm obsessed with Orange Theory Fitness. It's broken my heart that they're closed at the moment. So um, Orange Theory is lots of running, lots of rowing, lots of weight training. Uh, so I'm trying to keep that up. I'm using Centre by Chris Hemsworth at the moment. Uh, which is really good. Highly recommend that. How many hours sleep are you getting each night? Oh, 100% eight. Okay, that's great. Eight hours, eight, yeah, always. And then do you have any um, personal goals you would like to achieve this year? I'm actually doing my personal training course. Mm-hmm. So uh, this has been a great time in lockdown to work on that. So that's okay. something that makes me really happy. Uh, just just for fun, I just want to do it because I, I think yeah. human body is fascinating. Yeah. Uh, so that's one goal. Um, I want to be able to fly to America at some point. That's another goal uh, yeah. this year for sure. Oh, brilliant. And then um, if you could be remembered for one thing in business, what do you think your legacy statement would be? In business? Yeah. Oh, goodness. Um, that's such a great question. I've never really thought of what my legacy in business would be. Well, what would you like to be remembered for? Uh, I want to be remembered for someone as someone who always shows up. Okay, that's I'll good. I'll always show up yep. in the best version of myself, no matter what, whether I'm tired, whether I'm hungry, whether I will always just show up. Um, it's one of my highest values and that's something I definitely want to um, be remembered for. Oh, that's... So how that translates into my business, I'm not sure. but yeah, uh, no, <laughs> You're reliable. Yeah. It sounds like you're reliable, so that's good. Yeah, and but then... reliable makes me feel like, reliable is like, you know, old faithful, like whatever. Yeah. It's just like... I want to be, I want to show up like, you know, yeah. you know, you've seen, I, I want to bring the party. I yeah, want yeah, people yeah. to bring feel loved. Bring, yeah. You know, I want to create energy. Like I want people to know that she had energy. Mm. Um, so yeah. Okay. Sorry. And last question. <laughs> uh, what's your website? Just so people can check in on yeah, Star Beverages. Sure. Um, so you can go to starbeverages.com.au, but that's a waste of time. You can go to Direct Wine Cellars, C-E-L-L-A-R-S, and you can see all our wines on there and it gives you all the information. Um, we're doing virtual wine tastings now, so you can jump in on those on the weekends, on Fridays. Um, so, yeah, that's us. Brilliant. Thanks, Angelica. Great to speak to you no, today. Thank you. Thank you.